This is In-House Insiders, a podcast from the Association of Corporate Counsel, where you'll hear from the most interesting in-house legal professionals in Australia. On the show, we'll explore their stories, the challenges they've faced along the way, and the lessons they've learned that have defined their careers. I'm your host, May Ramsey, and I'm the Group Executive Legal Governance and Regulatory Affairs at Medibank. In today's episode, we're speaking to Tara Sutherland, Legal Counsel at Coles. Throughout Tara's career, she's had a focus on the property side of the law. But in her private life, Tara is also the treasurer of the Camberwell Area Multiple Births Association. In today's episode, you'll hear what it is about property that Tara finds so rewarding, how her work in the Multiple Births Association has affected her professional development, and how other in-house counsel can benefit from taking a similar approach. Okay, let's dive in. So Tara, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Thanks, May. I'm very excited to be here. It's my first time on a podcast, so it's a new experience. Fantastic. I thought we'd start off with just getting to know you a bit. So I know you're a property lawyer for the Coles Group, but I wanted to go back to the start and where it all began in terms of your legal career. So can you tell me a bit about what you did to get to where you are today? So I actually started working in property before I started strictly working in a legal career. I was very fortunate during uni that I worked for a company that had lease management software, which was cloud-based and all very new and exciting at the time. I took the job because they needed someone to do data entry, which seemed like a good job for a law student. And that involved me working with a range of national tenants, such as Gloria Jeans and Bow Repairs. And I got to do a little bit of travel, which was really exciting as a student. And then from that, I thought, well, I want to try and get a job working in law as opposed to working for an IT company. And at that stage, completely dismissed property as something I would end up working in. So thought out a job, got a job working for a boutique intellectual property firm as a final year law student, worked there, had done a couple of clerkships, but the GFC hit, so offers weren't great at that point in time. So I was very fortunate that they offered for me to stay on and do my graduate year with them. Working in a small firm was an incredible experience. I was given so much autonomy as a graduate and exposed to some really big clients, was involved in large litigations on patent matters, which I didn't understand at all at the time. But from that worked out pretty quickly. I was not a litigation lawyer and could not see myself in court or working on the one dispute day in, day out for months on end. So a friend actually mentioned to me that Gaydens had a graduate program and encouraged me to apply because Gaydens is quite unique and they accept admitted solicitors only into their graduate program. So I went along thinking I wanted to be an insolvency lawyer because GFC, lots of insolvency work. And Gaydon said, look, we think you should do a rotation in property first. I went there, realized that I actually really loved property. It's an area that's always fascinated me. You can see the building you've sold or the shop that you've leased. One of my claims to fame is I did the first lease to a rolled store, which is a very bizarre claim to fame, but they're now a huge franchise and popping up everywhere. But I remember meeting with the founders and that's just a small thing that I walk past that shop every time I think I did that document to then doing huge $400 million transactions, sales, purchases, due diligence. And then decided that Gaydens was great, but I was thinking about going overseas. So I thought I'd try and get some top tier experience. 
and was approached about a role at Minter Allison. So moved across to their property team, did a short stint there, got amazing experience and started to get a real feel at that point that I thought the in-house world was probably more for me, but was very much wedded to the idea that I needed to be a senior associate in order to move in-house, that I had to tick that box. But the world works out in mysterious ways and I was doing work for Coles at that point in time while at Minters and heard about a job at Coles. A couple of people said, you should consider applying. So I threw my hat in the ring and then found myself at Coles much earlier in my career than I thought I'd move in-house. I thought I still had another few good years of private practice before I got there and never looked back from the minute I got to Coles. I knew that for me, being a part of the business and having one client was something that's just been invaluable and seeing why and how decisions are made within the property space rather than drafting the document that sits kind of two steps removed from the actual decision has just been an amazing opportunity for me. What a fantastic trajectory as well, going from, as you said, data entry to where you are now. I still speak to my boss from back then because we do kind of cross paths occasionally because he provides software for some of my previous clients. So it's funny how things kind of go in full circle. And as you describe it, you started off in property, obviously, and you've now come back to it. So there's something about it. And I think you touched on that when you talked about you can see the building and you've been part of some of the establishment of new businesses. Are there other aspects, particularly the in-house role that sort of brought you back to property again? I like the commerciality for me. I like the fact that there is a monetary basis for every decision. But I like the fact that it's a commercial deal. And at the end of the day, everyone's working towards a common interest. So if we're buying land to develop, we're buying it from someone who wants to sell to us. We're not fighting with someone about land. We're coming to a common resolution. So I was very much drawn to the transactional side of law. And for me with property, it is really about being able to touch and feel and physically see what's in front of me. And my poor husband is sick of me when we're on holidays, dragging him to random shopping centres in the middle of nowhere in Queensland because I drafted a lease for that Coles. I think that's wonderful. And the real passion that you have for your role, the fact that, as you say, even on your holidays, love to make that connection. Well, that shows that you love what you do, which is, I think, what we're all aiming for. So in addition to your work life, which obviously uh, is something that you feel you really enjoy, I understand you're also the treasurer of the Camberwell Area Multiple Birth Association. I'd be interested to explore that a bit to see how did you get involved? Can you tell me a little bit about that organisation? So from that, it's probably unsurprising that I have twins, which is how most people become involved in the Multiple Births Association. And having twins was something that I definitely didn't plan for. And it came as a shock to us. A close friend of mine said, you've got a journey ahead of you. Having twins is no easy task. I thought, you know, I've worked in top tier law firms and worked crazy hours, but nothing prepared me for the sleep deprivation of twins. I had joined the Campbell Area Multiple Births Association while pregnant with my twins and went to a session beforehand but didn't really engage. But once my twins were born, I got to a point where I was so sleep deprived. I was on a crazy schedule, constantly tending to these babies, had no idea what I was doing. 
we'd come off six weeks of having them in hospital, so commuting backwards and forwards, which is fairly common with twins to have prem babies. And my husband just said to me, you need to go and talk to some people that understand what you're going through. And luckily, there was a morning tea, which is run by volunteers. And so I went along. I didn't even take my twins. I just went on my own. And I walked into that room and I just thought, these people completely understand what I'm going through right now. It's so great to have my friends and my colleagues who have kids, but none of them had had twins. And so they just couldn't appreciate what we were experiencing and just how brutal it is having two babies who don't sleep. And as a result, two parents who aren't sleeping at all. So I went to that first morning tea. And then a couple of months later, the coordinator, her twins were too old for her to stay in that group and they needed someone. So she asked me to do it. I was not in a position to take on any responsibility, but thought I've got these babies. It'd be a shame for this not to continue because someone doesn't step up. So I will put my hand up. Did that for a few months while my twins were still quite little and I was on mat leave, which was chaotic, but could see the impact that having that session as one of the initiatives that Canberra runs was having on the other mums who would come and then look at me at that stage with slightly older twins and say, well, she's surviving now. She's okay. She's been through the rough time and I could share my experience of how much I personally struggled when they were born. It's really tough mental health statistics for twin mums. I think it's twice as many twin mums end up with postnatal depression and anxiety as opposed to normal postpartum parents. And so from that, Canberra was then looking for a treasurer. And I think it's always hard for nonprofits to fill executive roles because they're looking for quite a specific skill set. And I dismissed the email and thought, no, I'm going back to work soon. I can't take on anything else. But then that was still looking and I thought, well, I'm a lawyer. I'm not a qualified accountant. I did an accounting degree, done a little bit of bookkeeping. It's the organisation needs volunteers to run so that we can keep supporting new families. So I said yes. And from there on, I've been in charge of the finances of a nonprofit, which is a pretty big responsibility, but quite an incredible experience for me. That certainly is a very big responsibility and they're extremely lucky that you were happy to step up. And you sound eminently qualified, as you said, not only through your personal experience, but having that legal accounting background. So can you tell me a little bit more about CAMBA as you, it's acronym is? Yeah, sorry, I forget CAMBA is very much the acronym that we use within the group. It's a non-profit organisation that sits within a national body that aims to support parents with multiples. And a lot of the focus and where my passion lies is on supporting parents with the transition into becoming parents of multiples, twins or triplets or more, and then surviving those early days and getting through that. Because to me, that is the most difficult and will probably be the most difficult period I've ever been through. And if I can do anything to support those parents, being involved in an organisation where they provide events, supports, networking, a buddy system where you have almost a mentor with an older twin parent in order to support the parents with newer twins. That to me was an amazing organisation and something that I felt I could be a part of. The journey doesn't stop there though. So Canva continues to support twin and multiple families throughout really their preschool ages. Twins and triplets and higher order multiples are often born prematurely. And having been through six weeks in hospital, that's a really tough journey, but it's also everything that comes after that. 
premature babies as not just parents of multiples, but a lot of parents will know. They're slower feeders, don't sleep as well, they're little, and they often have longer term health complications. And through Canva, we're able to provide this amazing network of other parents going through similar challenges, whether it's navigating the NDIS while working full time or dealing with decisions about schooling and schools and whether to separate children or keep them in the same class, which are things that normal families don't need to make decisions on. But for families with multiples, for example, for me, the decision of where to send my older daughter to primary school will then affect where my twins go. So even now we have to think about, well, we want to go to a school that will respect our decisions and how we want to educate our twins. But that information isn't out there. So that really a non-profit is left to fill that gap of that education and provide education around the best options for twins and managing twins and multiples long-term. Wow, so many things, as you say, if you're not experienced in that area, you wouldn't even consider would be an issue that you need to get information and discuss. So if you think about everything that you've learned through your involvement with Canva, what do you think the in-house legal industry can do to better support people who have had twins or other multiple births? It's a really hard question. And I kind of, I tried to think of what my work did to support me when my twins were born. And I think in the early days, if a colleague has multiples or twins or triplets, just reaching out to see if they're okay. But the reality is nothing can prepare someone for that. And my advice is almost to tell the person to seek out other people in similar situations or put them in touch with other people you know who have had multiples because that community network and knowing other people who have been through similar experiences forms a support group and a support network, which is invaluable. On a long-term, ongoing day-to-day basis, I don't think the advice is that different to any parent or really any other in-house practitioner who has challenges outside of work or other commitments outside of work. So just being flexible, which I think our profession is becoming really good at, especially post-COVID, and appreciating that I'm a lawyer three days a week. I have volunteering commitments outside of work. I also have three little children, two of whom were twins. So the logistics of life can be challenging at times. To me, it doesn't differ that much from someone with three kids once they're older and you're back in the workforce. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a very good point. Seeking out people who've been, as you said, through the same experience can be so helpful in multiple situations. So it seems to me that obviously your work with Canberra is a really big part of your life and you as a person. But I know that some people think it's important to try and segregate their work and home life. Did you ever feel that you needed to do that or that was something that you should do? Definitely. It's a really good question for me personally. I have always been very conscious of not wanting to be seen as the part-time working mum. And so I very much tried to almost hide the fact that I work part-time by sending off a few emails on my days off. And so I was very protective of that, especially after coming back after my first child. I wanted to be seen as still someone who was very driven and very committed to their career. And as a result of that, almost felt that I couldn't be fully open about what I was committed to outside of work and what my other family-related passions were because I didn't want to be pigeonholed. After I had twins, I realized that just wasn't practical. The reality is I have three children to start with. So there are days, especially in COVID, where things don't go as planned and you have children at home. And as well, it became clear to me that work really valued my volunteering and my experiences that I was having outside of work. 
And once I realized that, I realized that it was completely ridiculous that I felt that I couldn't share that I had these other responsibilities in addition to family. I have my volunteering commitments. And it works really supportive and is really happy for me to do it because it creates a whole person by giving back and committing to causes that you are passionate about. That's so true. And I was just reflecting on the fact that through that role, particularly the treasurer role, I mean, you would have been exposed to a plethora of issues that maybe you wouldn't through your paid work. And so it's interesting because that role is sort of adjacent to the work that you do, but obviously not the same. So do you think doing that outside work brings positive impact into your day job, into your paid job, I should call it. (laughs) (laughs) Into my paid job as opposed to my unpaid job with children. Look, definitely. And when I put my hands up, I did not see it as any more than an opportunity to give back to an organisation. And I thought, this is fine. It will be a time commitment. It will be a bit of an emotional commitment, but really I'm giving back to something I believe in. Once I became involved and became a part of the executive committee, I pretty quickly realised that a non-profit is a business and that you have to deal with a whole range of different stakeholders and a whole range of people and personalities that you wouldn't otherwise deal with in your day-to-day job. So Coles being such a big organisation, I work in a very specific area of Coles being the property group which supports the broader supermarket business. So I'm involved in property decisions, but even then I'm involved in the negotiation, the legal side of those decisions. Being treasurer of a non-profit, I am responsible for expenditure, which leads to some conflicts at times, which I wasn't expecting. But I feel strongly about how funds should be spent and I've had to learn to really justify those decisions and where it's warranted, push back and say, no, this isn't appropriate because of X, Y, Z, and then put in different policies to ensure we have certain levels of approval for certain expenditure amounts, which is really valuable. And I had no idea that having an understanding of how Coles finances works would help me to better structure finances within a non-profit. I think that's a fantastic example because as you say as an in-house lawyer you know what's the extra value that we can bring and I think it's definitely that sort of broader business understanding that you just outlined. So do you think that this is something that other legal counsel should be seeking out you know this opportunity to really improve broaden their skill set by helping others? Definitely and it's something that I didn't realize it would contribute to my professional career But getting to step outside your comfort zone, deal with different people and different personalities and people from different industries that you wouldn't normally deal with has been an incredible experience. And just the cross-transference of skills that I think any new experience you have improves you and helps you to upskill. And a non-profit is a great place to get that experience where you can keep doing your day job but pick up other skills along the way that you can transfer and help you to grow and progress as an in-house practitioner. I totally agree, Tara. And I think, yeah, great pitch out there because there'd be plenty of not-for-profits who would love, I think, some input, support and help from legal counsel. Yeah, and I have to say it was only, I think, about a week and a half ago that we were discussing the constitution and how we elect a secretary out of term and I was doing something else at the time, but listening into the meeting. And then I piped up and said, I'm a lawyer, I'll read the constitution. So it's amazing how even as a lawyer, I can provide so much benefit quickly. 
But at the same time, I learn a lot from that because I don't work in the company secretary team at Coles. That's a whole nother team to property legal. But I'm then getting exposure to constitutions, process, procedure, which I've got a long career ahead of me. So who knows where I may end up and how useful that information and knowledge may be as well. Absolutely. It's a win-win situation, isn't it? Now we're going to have a slight change of pace here because I have my quick fire round questions that I'd like to ask you. So the idea of these is I'll ask the questions. You just tell me the first thing that pops into your head, then we'll move on to the next one. So the first question is, if you met your 21-year-old self, what advice would you give them? Slow down and that you don't have to do everything today. I think as a junior lawyer, I was very focused on getting promoted in my career and getting to the next step, but never really paused and looked at all the other opportunities, whether it be travel or an opportunity to work in another practice group for a short term, because I was always so focused on career progression. I now know I've got a long career ahead of me and there's lots of time to establish myself. So to take up opportunities as they come up along the way. Such wonderful advice and I totally agree because you just never know, as you've discovered with your own experience with Canva, where taking up those other opportunities will lead you. Yeah, and that's true. I decided to almost not slow down. I knew I was working three days a week, so I thought if I'm ever going to do any non-profit work, now's the time because I'm not working full-time and little kids sleep a lot, so I have my evenings. Yes, and then you get to the other end of little kids, which I've got, and then you don't sleep at all because they're always out all night. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I've got all of that ahead of me. Such fun. What's the one skill you've really had to develop through your in-house role? Being more commercial and accepting that done is better than perfect. I think that's another great piece of advice, particularly for lawyers. Where do you go to upskill? Lots of places. I'm an avid reader, so I read lots of different books. But most recently, I've completed my diploma in property finance. I haven't actually graduated yet, but I've done all of the course requirements through the Property Council. I also have an ACC mentor, which has been amazing that Jodie Palmer from Volvo has agreed to give me an hour and a half of her life once a month to talk me through my career. And also CLE sessions are really valuable, whether it's through ACC law firms or people visiting Coles. Well, that's great to hear. And that's, look, on top of everything else that you've described you've got going on in your life, I'm really impressed that you also make time to upskill, which is so important. And that range of sources that you outlined is a really great mix. Tell me, who's someone you really admire? I don't have any one person I admire. I read quite widely. So I think there's kind of the standards, the Sheryl Sandbergs, Hillary Clinton, Michelle Obama. They've all done phenomenal things with their lives. I have no desire to get into politics or become the CFO of Facebook. But more recently, I've actually read the book that the TV series on Netflix made is based on. And reading about her life, I don't know if you're familiar with the series, but it's very popular at the moment. She was in an abusive relationship, left and had to completely reestablish her life with a young child with nothing. And she went from being in a relationship to being on her own to then putting herself through college and becoming a successful author. And I just, that determination really resonated with me that she was so driven and she did what she had to do to get to where she needed to be. Right. I didn't realise that series was based on a book, so I definitely have to look out for that. Sounds inspirational. What's one item on your bucket list? (laughs) 
That's a pretty common COVID bucket list item, but getting on a plane at some point in the next six months would be lovely. Yeah, I agree. I think, as you say, there'll be a few of us lined up there. What's your favourite hobby currently? I sew. It's very grandmotherish, but I have sewn probably for 15 years and have really got into sewing kids' clothes, which is an interesting hobby, and I really enjoy it. It's therapeutic. And I think your kids will enjoy it as well. They'll be the best dressed kids when it's dress up day. I'm not sure how they feel about the matching Christmas outfits I'm planning to sew shortly, <laughs> but I'll do it while I can get away with exactly. it. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Keep doing it while you can. Now, you've already mentioned one of the books that you're reading at the moment, but have you got another recommendation for our listeners? I'm currently reading a book called Life is Tough But So Are You, which is written by a woman who used to work at Mamma Mia and she was diagnosed at the age of 30 with cancer. And it talks about how that shifted her perspective on life and really made her see the positive side of things and also look to where good support comes from when you do need support. And that, I think, really made me think about my life, put things into perspective, and also made me think about how I can best support others who are going through difficult experiences. Oh, and I love that title. It really says it all, doesn't it? It's a very cute front page, too. It really jumps off the shelf. Well, another one to add to my list. And finally, what's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? It's a terrible habit, but before I get up, I do check my phone. I check my to-do list, I check my emails so I know what's ahead for the day, especially if I've had the day off prior to the day that I wake up. But then once I'm out of bed, it's a hot shower. It clears my mind, helps me reset, gets me in the right frame of mind to face whatever my day may hold. Well, I can perfectly understand why you do that, Tara, because with three little ones, probably that's the only time minute that you have to yourself. (laughs) Yeah, whether I'm on call for Coles or on call for my children, that is very much my time. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Tara. And really, I've learned so much just in this short period, not only about the work that you're doing from a volunteer perspective, but just the way you've been able to meld both your experiences, personal work, and your volunteering and really bring them all together is just phenomenal. So congratulations and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to In-House Insiders, a podcast about the stories, challenges and lessons learned by Australia's top in-house legal professionals. In-House Insiders is produced by the Association of Corporate Counsel. ACC's purpose is to support the professional and business interests of in-house counsel through information, education, networking and advocacy initiatives. I've personally been an ACC member for 15 years and I continue to remain a member for the fantastic peer networking opportunities I get and the access to tailored CPDs that cater for every stage of an in-house lawyer's career. If you're not a member already, you can join me and over 45,000 other in-house counsel from around the world. For more information about ACC or to join, please visit the website acc.com. This has been In-House Insiders. I'm May Ramsey and I'll speak to you next time.